CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Friday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us as we wrap up this week. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we get together every weekday afternoon at this very time to do this very thing. Answer questions about the Bible from the Bible. Look at current events through a biblical perspective and what we hear in church. Is it even in the Bible at all? If you've got a question you'd like to ask us, that number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. It's toll-free, and uh, we got some lines open, so if you call right now, you're assured to get on. This Sunday morning at the River Christian Fellowship, we're going to continue our study of Saul in the New Testament, being converted to Paul as the Lord did some amazing things in this man's life. Believing he was serving God, going around killing people, till God laid him out on the road on the way to Damascus, where he was on his way there to arrest more Christians, Well, God spoke to him. Jesus spoke to him and said, it's hard for you to kick against the proddings of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Well, that's exactly what we find even today. So many things go on that motivate us to know who God is, and yet sometimes we turn away that information. This Sunday morning, 10 o'clock in person, 1030 on the radio, anywhere uh, in the world. Uh, You can hear us on csnradio.com, or you can hear us on one of the many 400-plus stations scattered throughout the United States. So we just want to encourage you to listen in. Know you'll be blessed. As God converted Saul, he can convert you and me to somebody brand new. You know, David said this. He said his promises are new every morning. And so as we look at that, what promises do you need God to do something for you today and tomorrow morning and throughout the day and the week and the year and decade? What do you want to see him do in your life? You know, God is a good God. He loves you, and that's why, again, we do this each and every weekday afternoon. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. Joining me today, Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute, who defends Christians and people around the United States from tyranny, literally, uh, by overreaching of governmental agencies. Thank you, Brad, for being here today. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks. Look forward to answering some questions with you. And tell me about this J.P. Morgan debanking Christians for no reason. What is this going on? Yeah, this is a a real uh, serious matter. People might look at it and think, well, it's, you know, it's uh, just one one incident. Uh, But uh, this is a ministry being cut off that's in favor of supports religious freedom around the world. Uh, Senator you know, uh, Brown, uh, Brownback is Sam Brownback is the one who is, uh, you know, a leadership has a leadership in this ministry. Uh, it's, you know, defends religious freedom. It has uh, it's not just even just Christians. It's uh, so the the hostility exhibited here should be a red warning light that uh, that uh, the fact that this bank, this financial institution feels comfortable about openly excluding someone because of their um, desire for supporting a conservative or um, things like basic things like religious freedom. It's uh, that should be an alarm for, for Americans um, 
and in, in, in churches, uh, ministries, uh, even individuals uh, could be threatened by this kind of a of an ideology that's uh, un, is, is beyond the, the tradition of, of function of of banks and financial institutions. We haven't seen this before, uh, not in the United States. So this is very disturbing. Uh, so so this would almost be almost theft. If you've got money in the bank and all of a sudden they won't give it to you, or is that what the deal is? Yeah, they, uh, they're going to give them the money, but they're not going to allow them to have an, an account there. Um, so, Well, that sounds like a, a discrimination lawsuit into the stratosphere. Yeah, it, it's, there's, a, there's a definite potential for discrimination here. Uh, whenever you have an employer, or excuse me, a business, denying uh, goods or services uh, to someone because of their religious beliefs or, or their, say their race, for example, um, that violates title seven. Also with regards to hiring of employees, they can't discriminate in that regard either. And of course we have Pacific justice Institute. Unfortunately, we have uh, countless numbers of lawsuits against uh, people of faith, Christians who are being purged from their workplace, from the workplace uh, all across the United States in uh, unbelievable numbers. So, this is something that has to be looked upon very seriously. Needless to say, we're we're there. We're ready to represent them um, without charge, and we've got the attorneys now. We got uh, we have twenty seven offices in twenty states across the country, so uh, we uh, stand ready to to go to their assistance. But I encourage people if they have an account with uh, Chase, you know, JT Mor- uh, the Morgan Chase, that uh, they uh, seriously consider approaching their bank and withdrawing their closing their account and just say why they're closing it. Uh, we need to have a, a quick, severe response to this. So, uh, the, so that they, you know, they understand that, uh, that this is something that will be, they can't do without uh, paying a price. You know, uh, Brad, for all of us that are listening, and I don't know how much you've heard, you know, there's these, uh, rumors that bounce around to get your money out of, uh, United States banks because of, either the great reset or the great crash, whichever it, whichever it may be. As we remember 1929 uh, in October, uh, the banks went down and began the great depression, the stock market crash. Uh, do you have any insight for us at all concerning if you do have any money in the bank? <clears throat> um, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, I, I you know, I could pay off my 3% mortgage on my house but where do you go borrow money for 3% if you want to do something else? But if the banks go south, so does your money in that bank. And when you see the instability in banks right now and J.P. Morgan pulling this uh, discriminatory stunt, um, what, what's your take? I mean, I mean, uh, have you heard anything about, about the, the financial reset? Because remember, Joe Biden... Uh, by executive order, of course, never approved by the Congress, never approved by anybody, um, said that that he was going to, I think it was within 270 days from the signing thereof, which we're coming up on that right now because he signed this back in the spring of the year or earlier, um, to really do away with the American dollar, go to digital currency, and then you hear people from Al Gore to everybody else talking about the Great Reset. Of course, they're not going to reset their wealth. They're just going to take away everybody else's. But what is your take on on this? Yeah, um, 
as far as the digital currency goes, uh, that's something we could actually expect. Uh, China's already moved on that. Um, you know, Bitcoin, the, the understanding of, of, by countries is that uh, they cannot have Bitcoin and uh, those kinds of digital currencies prevail because then they will lose control. Particularly the United States will lose control. Uh, you know, the dollar will no longer be the world currency. So the U.S. is going to try to circumvent that. Um, we know that they're going to have a, a digital currency. It may be, for, at least for a while, you know, for who knows how long, paralleled with the, the physical currency. Um, I think eventually, though, we're going to see it possibly go all digital. And um, so that's a that's a definite concern. I also see it, though, as a uh, fulfillment, potentially, of, of, the, of the scriptures. When it comes to the mark of the beast, you can't buy or sell without it. Uh, you know, they already have the technology for the chip. It's already being implemented, I know, by one large corporation um, where you'd have build, you'd buy and sell and you'd have the chip and, and you'd have the digital currency. So uh, to me, it's I could easily see that playing out. And it's, I think, a, and to some degree, a sign of where we are potentially getting closer and closer to uh, the end times and Christ returning. But, um, but that's uh, something that definitely be taken into consideration. As far as the banks going under and people taking their money out of banks, the banks insure your the money's insured by the F, you know FDIC up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars I think per account. Um, so, I mean, technically, I don't, I don't see that as as big of an issue. I don't think they're going to suddenly take your dollars uh, and announce that it's going to be converted to digital. Uh, if that does happen, it's it's I don't see it happening soon. Um, so I would I don't think, but I do think something that people should do is ask the question: Is the bank that I have my money in? Um, and most of my assets, is that a bank that is glorifying God or actually uh, doing evil things and funding evil things? So Bank of America funds evil things. Wells Fargo does too. Here we have, we have, uh, you know, Morgan Chase. Uh, that's what they do. They fund evil things. And uh, to take that, your, that money out, take, you know, it's a bit of a pain. I get it. But to take that money out and transfer it into another account in another bank, that is friendly. There's Christian credit unions out there that are doing a, a great job. Um, you know, and we uh, like, uh, I think it's ECCU evangelical Christian credit union is one. There's also local banks uh, that people can put their transfer their money into that are uh, owned by Christians and friendly people. So I think that's a, a more practical, immediate thing for people to, to do. And, and then to let the, let the bank know why you're withdrawing the money and, and don't allow them to, to con you and, and uh, to do a, a bait and switch with you. But just make up your mind before you go in, you're going to take it out and just send a smile on your face. Let them know why you're taking it out and, um, and then transfer it to, uh, to another bank that's, uh, that's doing good, good work. Hope that helps everyone. And again, thank you so much, Brad, for those insightful words. We're going to go ahead and go to the phones. We have Tom on the line, Kansas. Hi, welcome. Hello, uh, Brad. This question was for you. Okay. You did uh, touch on that already. But uh, I was going to ask as Christians, what can we do with our with our assets that we need in everyday life to uh, function, to protect them, uh, especially against the social credit score and the digital dollars? Yeah, Um well, you know, like I said, it's you want to be careful where you have your assets. You want to make sure you you diversify. Uh, you want to make sure you don't uh, put it all in one thing. I hear stories of people taking all their money and 
buying gold and silver. I don't think that's very prudent. Uh, gold and silver have been uh, are very volatile. They're not, you know, stable. Uh, I mean, so uh, having some, maybe up to 5% of your assets into uh, hard assets like gold and silver, that's, that's a possibility. Everyone should also have a passport um, to be able to leave the country. Uh, that's, that's important. Uh, I think for any country, it's, you know, it's, we sort of take it for granted, but uh, when uh, oftentimes we realize, oh, shoot, we better, we need to, to leave to protect our family, our kids, whatever, it's, it's often too late. As we saw in Nazi Germany, um, you know, many Jews waited too long and just hoped things would get better. Uh, but I'm not saying people should leave now. I'm just saying as far as practically speaking, I would diversify, uh, have, have a high diversification, low expense funds, uh, low expense uh, financial planner. I know the financial planner is a doctor in wealth management. He manages our assets at Pacific Justice Institute. His name is Guy Baker. If you want more information, just call our office. And we'll be happy to give it to you. And um, But uh, there's a lot of good um, you know, principles that I know he implements that could be, uh, you know, helpful. Uh, but uh, at this stage, I wouldn't worry about suddenly losing all your money, but we need to have eyes open and we need to have liquidity, uh, the freedom to be able to come and to go and, um, and uh, just, uh, you know, good, wise counsel. So that's, uh, that's where I lead. My undergrad, by the way, was in finance, specializing in investment analysis, um, I, I, I'm still learning. Sorry. Anyway. So hope that hope that answers it for you, Tom. Was that Guy Baker at your office? Yeah, you can call our office and ask for Guy Baker. Uh, he'll, they'll they'll refer you and get you that information. And uh, you just you know let you know you can let them know that um, you heard us on the radio. Brad Dacus recommended him, and I don't get any I don't get any uh, perks or you know ten dollar cards for Starbucks or anything. So. Uh, it's not critical you mentioned me, but so, <laughs> but um, anyway, but I, I think that'll give me at least the context of, of why you're calling him. Hope that helps. Tom, stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. With that, we'll go to Amy Ponder, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you for taking the call. My question is on the church age. Um, yeah. I'm looking first at Matthew 16, 18, mm-hmm. where Jesus says, I say to you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. So is this, does this mark the beginning of the church age when Christ said this to Peter, or does it happen sometime after Christ's death and resurrection? Yes, I believe it's after Christ's death and resurrection. I think he's making a statement upon that statement that thou art the Christ, the only Son of God. That is the foundation for the church. Upon this foundation, I will build my church. Um, it's not upon Peter, because Peter like any man, had his faults. And even after he was spirit-filled, he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles for what the Jews would say. And so Paul rebuked him to his face. So we realize that we can't be talking about Peter being the foundational stone of the church. It was what Peter said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Not upon you, Peter. Um, he, again, you are the Christ, the only son of the living God. And again, when he said to him about that in verse 18, he says that uh, on this rock, I will build my church. That rock being the foundation of who Jesus Christ is. Most people believe the church began on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given. 
that which was the fire baptism, you might say, uh, of, of, of God's great gift. They were gathered together there on that day, 50 days after uh, uh, Passover, which happens to be on a Sunday. So the first um, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the first gathering of Christians where the Holy Spirit fell on people was not on the Sabbath, but it was on Sunday. And so thus we have um, uh, Pentecost being fulfilled. Again, another one of the Old Testament Jewish high holy days that Jesus Christ fulfilled in empowering uh, his believers and those today as well, uh, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do in the believer's life? First of all, he, it gives us a love for the lost. By nature, we as humans, well, if they're going to hell, that's too bad. I feel bad for them, but you know, not much I can do about it. No, when God gets a hold of your heart, as Jesus found in the, if you study the New Testament, the, the phrase, and Jesus seeing the multitudes had compassion on them. I believe that's the first thing that, that you find is that. But the other part that I think is more important is that we have this, this uh, boldness that was not there. Peter cowered when a slave girl said, are you one of his disciples? Well, no, I'm not one of his disciples. And then the cock crows and he goes out and weeps bitterly. But in Acts chapter 2, we find Peter full of boldness, saying these men are not drunk with wine as you think, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But I believe that the church began there in Acts chapter 2. I believe that verse 16 of Matthew, uh, verse 18, was a prophetic word of when Jesus, that Jesus was going to build his church. Uh, because if you remember, when Jesus was crucified, everybody split. Uh, everybody, you know, some of the disciples went fishing. Uh, they they didn't know what to do. Well, that's not a church that I believe is in order. That's a that would not be a. I believe it became a church after Acts chapter two, and we find something very very powerful. And God added to them daily those that would believe. All the way through the book of Acts, you find the church growing, uh, but you never find. Interestingly enough, a little caveat here. After chapter 3 of Revelation, you never find the church mentioned again here on earth. It's always found in heaven, chapters 4 and 5. You find during the tribulation, the elect, you'll find saints mentioned, but you never find the church mentioned on earth again. Very significant, because I believe that's what happens in the rapture when he takes his church home. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree that the church is, you know, uh, the, the body of Christ, and uh, it's not a, a physical building. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I know some people like to think that, that it's a, a particular church or a particular physical building, uh, you know, but uh, no, it's uh, it's the body of Christ. And I, I agree with you with the at Pentecost, the, the pouring out of the Spirit get, and, and people gathered together. Uh, as a as a, the body of Christ and the, the moving of God through the body of Christ, uh, moving through the church, that's uh, that's uh, very apparent. I think that's what he was talking about, and and that's what uh, proved uh, to be, I believe, what he was talking about as we uh, look at the, the expansion of Christianity and, and its growth, um, not just out of one city or one church, but in uh, a, just a score of churches uh, established through um, 
especially through the work of the Apostle Paul, but also through Peter and, and others, other disciples. Hope that answers it for you. Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Amy, God bless you. Stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs for calling in. With that, we'll go to Jackie in Minden, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hi, I had a question. I um, was reading Acts. Uh, I can't remember where because I got the phone just as I got in my car. But I was reading in Acts where it talks about, um, I think Paul is telling them not to eat things that are offered to idols or foods or things like that. But then I know later in the Bible it says that you don't have to worry about those things. And I had a cousin that went um, to India and had actually been offered food that had been offered to idols. And I just had a, a question because it seemed like I couldn't figure out in Acts versus the other verses. What, what's the real um, New Testament idea on that now? Well, what you're speaking of is Acts chapter 15. Paul says these things. Now, I believe the reason why he said that is to not stumble other people around you. We know that the idols, and this is what he goes more in depth on, uh, which I think is really important when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'll just read this. Now, when it comes to meat offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs you up, but loves builds you up. If anybody thinks they know something uh, in the way they ought to know it, but if anybody loves God, we are known by him. So when it comes to uh, food that's been offered to idols, we know that idols are nothing in the world and that there is no one but God. Yes, indeed. So there are so many so-called gods, whether in heaven or earth, just as there are so many gods, so many lords. But for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom all things we live to him and for him. And one Lord Jesus, Messiah, through him, all things, we live through him. Now, again, the issue is this. If something has been offered to an idol that we as Christians know that doesn't even exist, I don't have any problem eating it because I know that what they offered it to is offering it to the wind. It ain't no big deal. But here's the problem. If I'm with a brother or a sister... And I believe this is what 1 Corinthians is, or uh, uh, Acts 15 is talking about. If we're around a brother or a sister, and especially how heavily that culture was indoctrinated with idolatry and offering meat to idols and all these things, you would stumble a brother or a sister. Well, I, I, I can't believe you're really a Christian. You, you just ate a, a, a T-bone steak that was offered to Zeus. You know, it would stumble them. So I believe this is why he said, don't do it. But I believe when we get to Corinthians chapter 8, he clarifies that when he's saying, look, knowledge puffs you up. And you got to be careful of that because not everybody is at the same understanding in God's word that other people are. And, and I, I think this is really an important part of, of our reaching out to people. Now, when it comes to bad doctrine... No, the Bible is very clear of that. And Paul made stands. John, all of the, the disciples made stands against false doctrine. We have, to, we have to do that. But when somebody is a weaker brother in, or sister in faith, I won't eat meat around them or I won't do anything that may stumble them because I don't want to hurt their relationship with God or even their relationship with me. Now, am I being phony? No. 
We simply understand the different understandings that are out there in the Bible. It isn't that they were going along preaching, you can't eat meat, and if you do, you're of the devil. No, that's, that's not what it says. But really, that eating meat, sacrificed to idols, could be a stumbling block, especially to the new church, the church that was starting up. And they're trying to keep the world out of the new church that was starting up. So I believe that's why you find that. But when we get to the book of Corinthians, this was an established church, by the way, doing a lot of very unscriptural things. And thus we have First and Second Corinthians written by Paul to them to help them correct it. So we want to understand then that he's saying, look, you have knowledge. Don't use that knowledge that, hey, just because an idol doesn't exist, um, uh, don't stumble your brother over eating meat. He goes on and says, because if eating meat stumbles somebody, I won't eat meat. Um, but it's not that it's a law or like a Ten Commandment or something along that line. It's just that we wouldn't stumble. We go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross, not because I eat meat or don't eat meat or whatever. But I want to be careful. And by the way, this you say, well, how is this relevant today? There's a lot of ways it's relevant. Many times people in the United States want to go on a foreign mission field, not realizing their culture. Their culture depends on, uh, on uh, the way they view us is what we do and how we've adapted to their culture. Many people in the Orient, if you set down, cross your legs, and you let them see the bottom of your feet, that is a high insult because the streets are filthy uh, in a lot of those places. They don't have street sweepers that come along, all those kinds of things. So to let somebody from the Orient see the bottom of your feet it, it's, it's a, 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 a such a rude gesture that you can do. And you would probably have a hard time trying to witness to them after doing that, even though you did it innocently. So if not showing the bottom of my feet to my brethren or people that I want to reach out to, I won't show them the bottom of my feet. I won't cross my, my leg or whatever. We have to be careful of other cultures and where they're at. Now, what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians, which goes along with this, knowledge puffs up. And in that puffing up of knowledge, well, I don't care what they think. They're just a dopey Christian. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, that's what he's saying. No, don't, don't act that way. You just want to realize we're not under the law, but we are under biblical concern for our brethren. I hope that answers it for you. Yes, it did. I appreciate that. Thank you for all you guys do. Stay on the line, send you out some books, DVDs coming up on a break, everyone. We'll be back for more right after this. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network, so... 
Yeah, really. You could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. If you're a parent or grandparent looking for a fun and educational book for that special young child in your family, we have the perfect book for you. Spotty Leopard's Birthday Party Picnic Surprise will delight and entertain any young child. Author Michael Campaign is both an educator and a pastor, and as a parent and grandparent is uniquely qualified at writing children's stories that are not only fun to read, but educational as well. Your child or grandchild is sure to enjoy Spotty Leopard's Birthday Party Picnic Surprise. Each of the animal guests at the birthday party bring an item to the picnic that goes through the alphabet. This provides an exercise that is fun and helps children to learn. This is a great book to read to your child before bed. To get your copy of Spotty Leopard's Birthday Party Picnic Surprise for just $15 plus shipping, you can go online to SpottyLeopardsBirthdayParty.com or go to CSNRadio.com and click the banner. you back to part two of Terminator Answer on this Friday afternoon with Brad Dacus. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and uh, we're going to go right back to the phones. We have Brent on the line, Woodland, Washington. Hi, welcome. Hi there. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, hi. Question about um, shaking or quaking uh, during a prayer or in worship, in corporate worship. I'm just wondering kind of what your thoughts are on that, if it's um, an acceptable practice or... You know, is there a biblical uh, reference for it or what you would say? Well, we know that when the Holy Spirit comes on people, there's different reactions that people have. Uh, all the way through the Bible, we find people that were unable to stand when the power of God came upon them. Um, you know, some people use the reference being slain in the Spirit. Well, you know, if you're really slain in the Spirit, like Ananias and Sapphira were, where you, you don't get up and walk away, you're dead. But we find many instances in the Bible um, where, where uh, as an example, in Revelation one seventeen, John fell down at the presence of God's uh, Jesus's glory. Uh, we find um, uh, the soldiers who arrested Jesus fell to the ground in John eighteen six. Um, we find Ezekiel fell down before the glory of Lord in many times. Uh, uh, chapter one twenty eight three twenty three four. Um, forty-three, four. Uh, there's there's a large number of those that just could not function. Now, if a person is rocking back and forth as they're praying, I don't have a problem with that. Um, uh, I don't as long as it's done decently in order. Nobody's doing that. But I I I know the Holy Spirit comes upon different people in different ways. Um, your thoughts, Brad. Yeah, I um, yeah I, I agree. The Holy Spirit does come upon people in different ways. Um, at the same time, we need to be careful not to fall into what I call uh, religious or spiritual fads, if you will. Yes. Uh, you know, there's there's things out there that 
you know, not, you know, not done in scripture. Like I think the soaking movement where you, you lay on the floor, you, you light candles all around you and you just sit there and, and just soak in the Holy spirit. Just wait for like, you know, it's, um, God's very simple. Um, he's very real. He's very simple. He doesn't need, uh, you know, these kinds of things that we like to add to the equation uh, to somehow make it, uh, you know, deeper and more spiritual. Um, you know, the Lord doesn't need that. And uh, so I think we need to be, be very, you know, cautious. Um, I know also like, you know, if someone, you know, they say, Hey, you know, God told me this. Um, sometimes I see Christians that say, Oh, okay. That must be from the Lord. Well, no, test it, test it with scripture, you know, test it for, for, is it, is, is it, uh, does it bear truth? Um, you know, and, and pray about it and, uh, and, and, and seek, uh, you know, the Lord's confirmation on it. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, but I think we at the same time need a tremendous grace and forbearance and with regards to, uh, individuals and, and, uh, how they experience the Holy Spirit. Uh, just because God's done something and a work in some way and some, someone else that you may not have, uh, experienced, uh, say they had a, a word of knowledge and you've never had a word of knowledge. That doesn't mean they, they haven't had the, that, that, that's not real. Uh, and uh, if they have a presence of the Lord, a, a piece of past understanding, uh, people, you know, you may not understand that, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's not real because that's very biblical. And, um, I know when I had my auto accident, you know, I was in intensive care and I, I experienced the presence of the Lord like never before. Uh, Jesus was right there with me. Um, you know, and, you know, it's just, uh, so those things happen and, and we have to give a lot of grace to people who, uh, in, uh, just forbearance if we just, if we don't understand it or because we haven't experienced it. Yeah, because you find in, uh, as an example, Acts, uh, 215, uh, where the people, after they heard the sound of the rush, mighty wind, fire coming out of the disciples' heads and all those that were gathered in the upper room, Peter stands up and says, these are not drunk with wine as you think, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, how does a drunk person act? Well, they, they kind of sway back and forth. They do kind of. So if you want to know where it would, would might be found in the Bible, I think Acts chapter 2, verse 15 is probably a pretty good place to look. Because uh, I've seen drunk people rocking back and forth. I've seen a lot of stuff like that. Um, and this is the very thing Peter says there, because the people said they were drunk. Peter said, no, they're not drunk as you think, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit since it's only nine o'clock in the morning. So that's another place where, where you find it now, something else during, and by the way, this is where the, the, the group, the Quakers came from Quaker oats. Okay. Well, that was a religious sect. And they would rock back and forth as they were praying. Now, maybe if it helps them from not falling asleep, that's probably pretty good too. But the point is, that's where they got their name, as they would rock back and forth as they would pray. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. The only bad thing is that, oh, look at me, I'm rocking back and forth. I rock more than you do. Be very careful with that kind of stuff. But we do know... There are shakings in the Bible. Um, in fact, God even shook mountains and, and uh, uh, buildings in the book of Acts chapter 431. Um, and then we also know that sometimes during prayer, people will be weeping during their prayers. And we find right. this all the way through the Bible. 
uh, because there's something inside. It may be a Holy Spirit laid burden on their heart to pray for somebody else. Maybe God in the Spirit is using them for intercession for a missionary overseas that's being persecuted. I don't know. But we do know that when a person is in deep prayer, you will hear tongues, you will see weeping, you may see people rocking, going back to uh, Acts chapter 2, 15, the world thinking they were drunk. Um, I, I think that there, there are things going on. Now, when it comes to holy laughter, and like you said earlier, spirit soaking, lighting candles, I believe that is way out there. I don't find that scriptural in any way. But I do believe God can move on us in prayer, in prayer meetings, uh, for his glory. And Paul says, most of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in the church, let everything be done decently and in order. So in other words, you don't have Johnny jump up or, or a lot of the crazy stuff that's been attributed to the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with, just somebody's emotion or, or their, their flesh gets involved. Hope that helps. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And, and just, you know, the sister in the Lord that in prayer and in corporate worship, you know, can, she really feels it's the Holy Spirit that comes upon her and she has, you know, shaking in her hands yeah. and her arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not accompanied, it's not accompanied by like shrieking or yelling or jumping up and down. No. That does not happen. But, uh, you know, she just really feels she's obedient to God and, and, and letting the spirit move through her that way. And, and unfortunately, uh, doesn't really agree with our church leadership that kind of doesn't, think that's appropriate in corporate worship in the sense of, you know, the spirit of the prophet being subject to the prophets. I believe that's what in one of the Corinthians books, first or second. And as far as, um, you know, not being a distraction. So maybe well, sometimes if it's, we if agree it's, to disagree. Well, mean, well, Brent, if it's being a distraction in the church, then I would agree with the church. If it's not, if it's just because of, of, of somebody's uh, behavior, I mean, uh, if there was somebody that had a neurological problem and their hand was shaking while they're in a wheelchair, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, dare address that. I mean, I, uh, you know, but if the Holy Spirit comes upon somebody and they rock back and forth or whatever, um, what would what would happen if she was there praying and she starts weeping and crying during prayer? That's biblical. So we we I, right. I want to be very careful with sometimes people being God's cops rather than looking at the entirety of what the Bible says. Yes, everything needs to be done decently in order. When we come together, as as an example, in prayer or in a service, I'm not there to bring attention to myself. I'm there to worship God and that we all focus upon Him. That's why I have trouble uh, in many churches where they have these streamers and during the worship service are running up and down the the aisles with flags and shooting off bottle rockets. I mean, I don't know what they're all doing, but they're doing stuff. And instead of me going, oh God, you're so good. You go, what are they doing over there? That's why I have problems with that. Do I have some a problem with somebody rocking back and forth in a worship service? No. But if they're out in the aisle dancing around, now all of a sudden my focus is not Jesus anymore. People are going, what, what are they doing up there? And especially visitors that come. That's why I think Paul gives a pretty good outline of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 concerning the business that goes on in a church, and most of it is love. 
If people come in and they see a bunch of weird spiritual stuff that may not even be spiritual at all going on, Paul says, aren't they going to run out of your church saying you're all mad, you're crazy? That's what he talked about concerning the gift of tongues. But it doesn't just stop there because let everything, he didn't say, just say, let tongues be done decently and ordered in the church. It doesn't say that. He said, let everything be done decently and in order in the church. Why is that? Because there's a lot of disorder in the church and people doing things that they shouldn't do. But I can tell you, I've been in churches that are deader than a doornail. And, and yeah, you, you know, I, I, I know about this one church. And during the worship service, if you lift your hands, which the Bible says, lift up holy hands to the Lord. But if you lift your hands in the worship service, uh, an usher will come up and thump you and say, put your hands down. You see, that's, that's bad. And, and because the Bible says how we are to worship him. But if it's attracting attention to me or somebody doing that, rather than God, we have to be careful. Now, what may be a good solution for this? If somebody wants to twirl around during the worship service, let them go in the balcony or let them go in the back of the church or let them rock in the back of the church where everybody would not be distracted by it. I don't want to take away somebody's ability to worship, but at the same time, I don't want to take away somebody's ability to focus on the Lord and everybody going, what are they doing up there? That's the danger. So I think just use wisdom, Brent, is going to be the best thing. Hope that helps. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Amen, I agree. And so if church leadership kind of sees it differently, like you said, if you can be in the back and not be a distraction, I guess you kind of work within those parameters or maybe you need to find a different place to worship where it's not, you know, kind of said it shouldn't be happening or, you know. Well, you you just have to look at it. I mean, because, because, um, you know, if you lift your hands during the worship service, will they tap you and tell you to put them down? Uh, if you, if you, um, you know, I mean, uh, I heard about a church today here locally that a guy had long hair. He was a worship leader. The, the senior worship leader really liked him, let him play in the band. When he moved on, um, he was still there. He got a note from the church saying, we don't like your long hair hippie type around here. That's recent, not back in the late seventies or early seventies. That's even now. And this is the very thing James warns about. He said, if somebody comes in your church dressed in fine apparel, you say, set up here. If somebody comes in with vile raiment, you say, set in the back where nobody has to look at you. Well, we want to be careful about that as well. But I'm saying expression of worship sometimes takes on different avenues. But again, I'm not there to attract attention to me. I'm there to worship God. And that's one of the things that we have to we have to we have to honor but when in that worshiping of god if they're not being disruptive then i don't see where where the issue is um and certainly uh, again depending on what you look at if a person during the worship service is, is weeping now if they're weeping hysterically where everybody in the congregation is staring at them well yeah then they need to be somewhere else because uh, it would be disruptive so just using wisdom Wise as serpents, harmless as doves, I think is the best way to go, Brent. Hope that helps. Yeah, thank you so much for your your wisdom. 
appreciate your guys' show. Listen all the time. Brent, God bless you. you. Stay in line if you like. Send you out some books, DVDs. Let's go to Ben, Rochester, New York. Hi, welcome. Hi, Mike. Hi, Brett. Love the show. Long-time listener. Great. Glad you listened. How can we help? Um, Got a question. Have you ever seen the video on YouTube of a pastor kicking out someone who asked for prayer during his sermon where he, he goes on a tirade against man and he has his like secret service type personnel drag him out and he says, I run this church. I'm the man of God. And the, the guy was actually, I guess, making a prayer request for clarification on the oneness doctrine versus the Trinity. And that's what I wanted to hit on today and find out from you. Have you seen this video? No, I haven't. No. Brad, Brad, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Uh, so, so going to the oneness doctrine, it's a cult. First uh, John two twenty two says, "He that denies the Father and the Son hath the spirit of Antichrist." Very severe. Now, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed to his Father in heaven, he wasn't praying to himself. When he was baptized, there was a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove rested upon him. Jesus wasn't being a ventriloquist and bouncing his voice off of a cloud. This is my beloved son. Oh, 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 please. Yeah, no one's going to notice that. No, uh, very clearly, Jesus said, I don't do anything I don't see the Father doing. Brad, your thoughts? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, the, the, the Trinity is very uh, established. Um, the, the relationship of the members of the Trinity to each other, very established. Uh, so, yeah, the oneness doctrine is, is, is not biblical. It's not a part of Orthodox Christianity. Uh, it's not su- really su- supported by Scripture. So uh, that's something to be very, very concerned about um, moving forward. Yeah, so I, I I don't know. You know, if you read the entirety of the Bible, you'll you'll never you'll never come to that conclusion that there's just Jesus only. Um, it's very clear uh, that um, when Jesus prayed, uh, when he was baptized, all the way through, we find that even Jesus himself said, "I'll be seated at the right hand of the Father." I don't know where they come up with this stuff. Hope that helps, Ben. Right. Yeah, uh, definitely. But quick follow-up question. I mean, you say that, you know, if you take a well-balanced approach, look at the Bible, uh, the Trinity is not even mentioned anywhere in the Bible, and they didn't come up with the idea for the Trinity until 200 years after the Jesus died. Well, that's bogus, because uh, we find, um, um, in uh, as an example, um Romans 8.11, it says that the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Also in Romans 8.11, it says the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And then in John 2.19, as well as John 10.18, and John 2, uh, well, John 2.19 and 22, uh, Jesus himself said, uh, you tear this temple down, I'll rebuild it. Uh, speaking of himself, uh, you have all three claiming uh, to be the one that raised Jesus from the dead. It doesn't just say Jesus was the only one. Jesus said, I don't do anything. I don't see my Father in heaven doing. Uh, when he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven. Uh, I, I I think the idea that, in fact, if you did, go, in fact, go back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The word Elohim 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word there is the word Elohim. It's triune. It speaks of a plurality of God. Well, who is this God? Is it Zeus, Hermes, and, and uh, uh, you know, Buddha? No. The rest of the Bible tells us who this Elohim is. And he said, let us create man in our image. He wasn't talking to the angels. There's nowhere in the Bible that angels are procreative. So the only place you find is that God made man in his image. And what are we? We're a triune being as well. We're a body, we're a mind, and we're a spirit. You can talk to an alcoholic, and you can say, do you know your drinking is killing you? The alcoholic will say, yes, I know that. So intellectually, they know that their drinking is killing them. But their bodily appetite says, I want it and I will get it. And Jesus said, you must be born again because there's no spirit to stop the person from drinking. This is where the Bible says, Jesus said in John 3, 16, you must be born again. That spirit of God comes back in us to rule over the mind and the body. So we're a triune being. We are creating the image of God, a triune God. And the idea of somebody coming along and saying, oh, well, there's no uh, picture of, of uh, the, the word uh, Trinity in the Bible. No, it's found in many different words. And again, he that denies the Father and the Son has the spirit of Antichrist. What a tremendous sock in the nose for that doctrine. Hope that helps. Right, right. Yes, thank you. God bless you. And Ben, stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy. You'll like them. Let's go to Al in Pennsylvania. Hi, welcome. Good evening, pastors. I'm seeking uh, prayer for my oldest daughter. She's a uh, cancer survivor, and she's recently had a um, situation that she was told was could be her gallbladder. And I just uh, hope that it's not cancer reasserting its ugly head. And, and also her salvation. I'm not 100% clear on her walk with the Lord. Well, I'm so glad you called, Al. We could hear the compassion in your voice for your daughter. And, uh, you know, I, I, I believe that passion that you have for your daughter is the same passion that God has for all of us, especially uh, those that have went astray. Brad, your thoughts, and would you lead us in prayer? Yeah, you bet. Let's let's pray. Father, um, you're the great physician. You're the great healer. You're also omnipotent, Lord, and you know uh, all that uh, she's going through. You know what her condition is. Father, we we pray uh, for healing. Uh, We pray for wisdom to the doctors. Father, most importantly, Father, we pray for her and her walk with you, Lord God, uh, that uh, that if she doesn't know you personally, that she will be born again, Father, that she'll um, uh, come to know you in a real and personal way, Father, uh, that uh, will, will change her life. Lord, we, we're in this world very temporarily. Very, It's a very short period of time for any of us. Uh, it's like a, a drop of water that appears for a moment, then becomes vapor. What counts, Father, in the end, the most important thing is for us to come to a relationship with you. Father, we pray right now for your Holy Spirit, yes. Father. Uh, to move in her father, uh, to move, uh, to, to draw her to you. Use this father as a time to draw her to you and to, uh, to bring, uh, not just physical healing, but also spiritual healing and renewal and, um, and, and, uh, close to you, to you, father. We thank you for what you're doing now. Pray also for your peace upon this, this, this dad, 
Uh, he loves his, his, his daughter. Father, we know you love him, love that daughter even more. Yes, uh, we thank you for that. We also pray for your peace upon this, this dad to know that he's heard your prayer, that, uh, that, that he's heard, uh, his, that uh, you've, you've heard his prayer and that uh, we can uh, put our trust in you uh, to work this uh, father in, in, in this situation in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Our prayers are with you, Al, and just see what great things God will do. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Al, so I'm so, so blessed you called and we'll keep her in prayer that the Lord uh, uh, heals her, gives the doctor's yes. wisdom in Jesus name. Yes. Stay in line, Al, send you out some books, some DVDs. Perhaps you can get them into your daughter's hands. Uh, have her watch them. God of Wonders is how God made everything and had a purpose for everything he made. God has a purpose for us. Are we functioning in that purpose? And so you really like it. It's not a talking head. It's done like National Geographic, something really good. Watch it, and then maybe you can pass it along to her, okay? Okay. God bless Thank you, Al. You. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Gary, South Texas. Hi, welcome. Hey, gentlemen. Thank Hi. you for taking my call. Um, my question is, I know in the Bible it says, you know, uh, Israel and Jewish people are God's people, and so they'll bless them, and bless you, and curse you, and curse you. Um, and we as Christians and Gentiles have to accept Jesus to go to heaven. So I guess my question is, is what happens to all the Jewish people? I, I think it says somewhere that someday they'll open their eyes. And I mean, I'm just a little confused on that. Like, yeah, before all... before the second coming of Christ during the tribulation, their eyes are opened. Uh, they realized they were duped by the Antichrist. I, I don't think they ever accepted the Antichrist as Messiah, but I think they embraced him as a friend, uh, but then their eyes are open and they call on the Lord and the Lord intervenes. Just like what happened when they were in captivity in Egypt for that 400 years. Um, and so I believe spiritual blindness has blinded them to who God is. They have a spirit of religion a spirit of heritage, which they kept fronting to Jesus. Well, our father Abraham said this, or Moses taught us that. But they never had a relationship with God. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's um, there's a big difference between uh, being a having the heritage of being a part of, quote, God's chosen people and uh, having a real relationship with God. Uh, no one is born into salvation because of their, their genetics or their family history or their heritage. Um, it's a personal relationship. And the, the good news is that, that God has extended that opportunity uh, to the Jewish people. Uh, so many people who are Jewish have come to Christ. Yes. And, um, and also, you know, when we, you know, people who seek the Lord will find the Lord. Seek and you will find. Um, knock on the door will be opened unto you. So uh, individuals who are, whether Jewish or not, if they seek the Lord, uh, with a pure heart, they, they, they come to the Lord. Uh, God answers no matter who they are, no matter where they're at. Amen. Amen. And so, yes, many people that are Jewish come to Christ because, uh, again, not the spirit of religion, but whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Not by the law yes. that we're justified, but what Jesus did for us. Hope that answer for you. Thanks, Brad, for being on. Stay on line. We'll send you out some books and DVDs. And please, everybody, Tina, please, Brett, everybody, Denise, call us. We'll put you on first thing on Monday. Ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226. 
or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash TEMA. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 